Greetings, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of ATP Ask the Pastor. Pastor Sullivan here at Holy Cross Lutheran Church in Kerrville, Texas. Today's question, dear Pastor, I'd like to begin reading the Church Fathers, but I don't know where to start. What are your favorite Church Fathers to read? All right, so great question, first of all. Second, before you pick up a random Church Father and just start reading, I recommend that you gain a good understanding of how to read the Church Fathers, because if you're not familiar with that father's particular historical context and the context of the particular work, then your reading isn't going to be as fruitful as you want it to be. Uh, and so here are some ways to get context for reading individual Church Fathers. First, you need a big picture view of early church history. This is going to help you see where and when different fathers are writing, the theological issues of their time, and the doctrines that they're defending. The best way to get a big picture view of church history, then, is to, is to start off by reading Eusebius of Caesarea's Ecclesiastical History. This is the first work of church history. It begins with the apostles, and it ends with the beginning of Constantine's reign as emperor. After Eusebius, then Socrates, uh, Sozomen, and Theodoret, they pick up where Eusebius left off in their ecclesiastical histories. Uh, then Evangrius, Scholasticus, his account begins at the Council of Ephesus in 431, and it goes all the way to um, Emperor Maurice's reign in the 590s in the Eastern Empire. All of these, with the exception of Evangrius, are available in the Nicene and Post-Nicene Fathers set, which is available online. Understanding the narrative of the early church, that's going to go a long way in helping contextualize individual church fathers so that you know uh, what are the issues of their day. Aside from that, another really helpful work that I, that I would recommend is Martin Chemnitz's Oration on Reading the Fathers of the Church. It can be found at the beginning of the first volume of his uh, Lotzi Theologici. Uh, it, it's a brief treatise. It's real short, but it gives a good introduction of how to read the fathers, and then it goes on to address 19 different fathers and writings uh, and what to look for in each one. So it, it's, it's a good introductory work. Now, second, once you then have selected an individual father to read, so that's all after, after this context has been established. Once you select an individual father to read, it's helpful to differentiate between that particular father's different kinds of writing. So sermons, letters, polemics, doctrinal explanations, catechisms, etc. Martin Chemnitz uh, observed correctly uh, in that oration on reading the fathers of the church. This difference also must be observed in the writings of the fathers that at times set forth their private speculations and devotions, that at times they describe a custom of some particular church. At times, however, they explain the public dogmas of the entire Catholic Church. So this helps to differentiate then between uh, who their intended audience is and then uh, be differentiate between their speculations and then their public teaching. Third, it's also then necessary to identify to whom they are writing and what, if anything, they're writing against. If they're writing against a particular heresy, uh, then they may speak more loosely about other doctrines. They're going to assume that those statements aren't going to be taken wrongly. 
Chemnitz asserts, again, in that oration that we recommended at the beginning. He says, Therefore, when the fathers contend against certain heretics, they make it their aim only that they may overthrow their opinions. And meanwhile, they're not so concerned with other articles. Again, because he, Irenaeus, was opposing those who dream that there is one God who is the righteous God of the law, and another God who is the merciful God of the New Testament, he sometimes speaks carelessly regarding the distinction of law and gospel. But in other places, he makes a proper and careful statement concerning faith in Christ and justification. He does not set forth a sufficiently accurate definition of original sin because he is speaking in opposition to those who attributed the cause of sin to God. The fourth thing that's necessary, and this is by far the most important then in reading the church fathers, is to understand how the church fathers themselves wanted their works to be read. And they wanted their works to be read as witnesses to Scripture, which are then judged by Scripture. So Basil of Caesarea said in uh, Homily 24 against the Sabellians, Arians, and Anomians, And you I exhort not to be specially anxious to hear from me what is pleasing to yourself, but rather what is pleasing to the Lord, what is in harmony with the Scriptures, what is not in opposition to the Fathers. Augustine writes to Jerome in letter 82, For I confess to your charity that I have learned to yield this respect and honor only to the canonical books of Scripture. Of these alone do I most firmly believe that the authors were completely free from error. As to all other writings, in reading them, however great the superiority of the authors to myself in sanctity and learning, I do not accept their teaching as true on the mere ground of the opinion being held by them but only because they have succeeded in convincing my judgment of its truth either by means of these canonical writings themselves or by arguments addressed to my reason. The fathers, as they say then, are witnesses to the scriptures insofar as they teach in accord with the scriptures and that this is how they themselves wanted to be read and understood. This means that when they deviate from the scriptures, we, we don't follow them in that area. Chemnitz notes Augustine often repeats the axiom, articles of faith must be proved only on the basis of the canonical books, and the writings of other people must be read in such a way that one can disprove of them or reject them when they don't agree with canonical truth. Now, we need to elaborate on that just a little bit more. What does that mean, then, when we read things in the Fathers that don't align with the Scriptures? Well, Chemnitz, again, praises how Augustine read the Fathers that came before him. Chemnitz writes, For he first sought out the true meaning from Scripture, and then if the fathers held to the foundation, he would clarify their statements according to the analogy of faith, even when they said something that was not quite correct. But he did not allow such ideas to be put in opposition to the foundation. Rather, when there was an error in a fundamental doctrine, as in Cyprian on baptism, he does not attempt to interpret it, but simply follows the meaning of Scripture. Now, Martin Chemnitz expands on this methodology of reading the Fathers further in his examination of the Council of Trent. He writes about the eight kinds of tradition in the Church, uh, and the Catholic consensus of the Fathers is the sixth of those traditions, the sixth kind of tradition that he locates. And he writes, 
We examine with considerable diligence the consensus of the true, learned, and purer antiquity, and we love and praise the testimonies of the fathers which agree with Scripture. So the fathers, he says, demonstrate a continuity of true doctrine, not in the sense that no errors ever crept into their writing, but that their writings, taken together, show a consistent pattern of doctrine which the church defended against heretics in the church. This allows us to interpret their more questionable sayings with a good measure of charity. And so when they write something that's doctrinally questionable, uh, we're to excuse them and interpret that statement according to their sounder writings and ultimately according to the rule of faith. And if their statement can't be reconciled with the scripture and with the analogy of faith, meaning that it's outside of that Catholic consensus, then we don't follow them in that particular interpretation. Now, so that's the methodology of how to read the fathers. As far as recommendations on specific fathers to read, that really is up to you. It depends upon your area of interest. Uh, the church histories that we recommended at the beginning of the episode, those are going to pique your interest in specific fathers, councils, topics, that sort of thing. Personally, I enjoy the apostolic fathers, the writers immediately after the apostles. Uh, along with them, I really enjoy the second century Greek apologists. I think reading them is interesting for seeing how Christians interacted with pagan culture that didn't understand the faith and actively persecuted it. Uh, their contra text is obviously different from today, but there's a lot of things to learn from them interacting with many of the same arguments in their distinct context. Uh, I highly recommend anything from the Nicene period, Basil of Caesarea, Gregory of Nyssa, Hilary, uh, the Sermons of John Chrysostom, uh, the Poems of Prudentius. That, that's one of my favorites that I return to probably on a yearly basis. Uh, Cyril of Alexandria, however, he's my favorite to read. So no matter which father you choose to read, um, reading the fathers in context and as witnesses to Scripture will help you to have the same attitude towards the fathers that Lutherans have always had that we love and praise the testimonies of the fathers which agree with Scripture. This is how to read the fathers, then. I hope this helps. Good luck, uh, and may you find some enjoyment in reading the fathers of the church. We'll see you next time on ATP Ask the Pastor.